I'd like for you to open your Bible to several verses to begin with tonight. First is 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Then we'll go to Ephesians 4 and 5. Then we'll go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I want to look at four single passages of Scripture tonight to introduce the subject. The title for tonight's message is, Why I Don't Observe Halloween. Well, why didn't you say why we don't observe? I don't know if you do or not. I know I don't. And so I want to make it personal, and it's just me, why I don't observe, participate in, have anything to do with Halloween. I'm coming at it, obviously, from the Christian standpoint, knowing that as I speak, there are probably countless churches in America, fundamental churches in America that will have a Halloween party or some kind of a Halloween festivity to get their people together and keep, maybe keep them off the streets and whatever. Halloween is not anything to do with Christianity. There's no redeeming value in it. There's nothing of it in the Bible. It's a pagan holiday based on pagan rituals from ancient times that have carried over through the years, endorsed by the Catholic Church, handed down to a world today that, as it appears in our first verse, 2 Corinthians 2, 11, in ignorance, observe this day. 2 Corinthians 2, 11 says, lest Satan should get advantage of us. So let me stop there. Is it possible that we as believers can be taken advantage of by the devil because we are ignorant concerning something. As we say, we didn't know any better, and we didn't. Or we could have known better, we didn't want to hear it, and therefore we remain in our ignorance and snared or made to be bound nevertheless. Whether you had it with your eyes open or your eyes shut, the devil doesn't care. But he says, lest Satan should gain advantage of us, for we are not ignorant, the Bible says, of his devices, his schemes, his wiles, his methods. For as you all know, and I'll quote this again in a minute, the devil does, the Bible says, goes around like a roaring lion. And he is looking for whom he can devour. And the easiest people to devour are those whose eyes are shut, whose minds are closed, and who are ignorant. Because they grasp and grab a hold about anything. If it feels good... If it looks good, if it sounds good, if enough people are doing it, then why not? I mean, after all, all of us couldn't be wrong. And they have a philosophy like that. They have an idea that goes in their minds like that. And the big churches or even little churches, they do these things because I think it's popular to uh, do it. We don't want to be different. We don't want to be singled out in society as a different bunch and be talked about. We'd like to be accepted. And so our... Our flesh craving attention and acceptance. We do things even though maybe they're not right, but we do it because, come on, after all. That's the end time idea of how we ought to relate socially to each other or in a community. And we should not rock a boat. We should not be, try to be different, take stands like that. But nevertheless, the Bible says the devil takes advantage of those who are ignorant of his devices. The second verse, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 27. 
Similarly there, it says we are not to give place to the devil. Let me ask you, seated here tonight that are believers and been in church a long time, could the devil take advantage of you? Could you, by choice, give place to the devil? What about this? He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is an open door to the enemy. What else does the devil use except sin? And how else can sin enter in anybody's life except through their flesh? That's the only way it works. Sin lieth at the door. Didn't it say that in Genesis 4? Sin lieth at the door. And sin is called a he. His desire is for you. Always ready to pounce on any opportunity given to the devil. He is there waiting for that chance, that opportunity. He distorts things. He makes things look wrong and maybe look right to you. He changes things and makes it appealing to the lust of the eyes or the lust of the flesh. And everybody's doing it. So what's wrong with it? And once you lay hand on, just like Eve laid hand on that fruit, sin enters in. And when you get sin, you get the devil. They come together because they're the same thing. But he says that we can give place to the devil. And we can. And Christians do it all the time. I don't care how many thousand hours you teach through the years, how many thousand meetings we have. That does not mean you will do right that the devil can't touch you or your family or your money or your relationships and your marriage or anything else. He can. He waits for the opportunity and you give it to him. He comes in. We'll end our message tonight with that. It's a very solemn thing. Ephesians 5 verse 21, it says, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. I'll tell you this. Halloween is an unfruitful work. And by unfruitful, I mean it bears nothing good. I would describe Halloween in a society as a howling waste. There is zero good in it. Well, what about the times parents get to spend bonding with their children and taking them to door to door to get candy? You mean to beg? Or to threaten, maybe trick or treat? Maybe the customs you're involved in and the traditions you're following as fun-loving as the papers and the media makes it be, maybe it's demonic. Maybe behind all of this activity, there's a dark spirit ready to do what I just told you a while ago, ready to gain the advantage in your family, in your life, by various ways. Maybe we in ignorance are we, not me, but because this is not about you all, this message is about me, why I don't observe Halloween. Maybe if I view Halloween as a work of darkness because it's all about the devil, you can't avoid it. Then anything that comes out of it has to do with the power of darkness. And if it has to do with the power of darkness, then it has to do with the devil. And I don't want any part of that. Just like in John 14, Jesus said, he hath no place in me. I don't want him to have any place in me either. I want to avoid him, keep him outside of me. Or in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 22, your Bible says this, that we are to abstain. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 22 we are to abstain from the appearance of evil. 
Now, we have to determine whether or not Halloween is evil or are we overambitious in our desire to be right? Are we legalistic? Are we drawing the line too tight, denying our children fun that other children have, doing things that other kids in their class get to do and what they did last night? Are we secluding ourselves, separating ourselves from, from the norm in society? Or are we protecting our children by teaching them the right way? See, I've already made that decision. Made it years ago. I trust that you will too. Because if there's one message that's easy to teach, of all the messages there are to teach, this is one of the easiest ones to teach about what's wrong with it. Because it's clear. I mean, it just comes straight at you. It's just nothing more than the devil. Because the observance of Halloween is giving place to the devil. It's a day that honors him. It's a day that honors his evil deeds. It's a day that dishonors God for those who participate in it. I've heard this. I can't prove this. And I read, a, coming back from our trip to Colorado, I had a USA Today, and there was a whole bunch of stuff there about Halloween, especially statistics. And I wanted to keep that so I could read it tonight, and I left it in the car. But, and I won't get this right. I always give my version of stories. It seemed like there was like either three or seven billion dollars a year spent on Halloween, on candy, on costumes and parties and all the various events that people spend money on, more than America does on Christmas. They spend more money on this time of year than they would at the end of this year. And that more than half I think maybe like two-thirds of Americans will celebrate or observe or in some way have a part to play in Halloween. Now, if that's true, this country lies in darkness because there's a whole lot of ministers in a whole lot of various brands of churches that are not warning the people. And one of God's complaints to his own people in Ezekiel chapter 22 he said that my people have made no difference between right and wrong. They've made no difference between the clean and the unclean. In Jeremiah 23, God said to the priests, the teachers of his people, he said, you have made the people vain. Vain means useless or worthless. That's what Halloween is. And you, by your silence or you, by your distortion of Scripture or by twisting of the Scriptures, the resting of those Scriptures, or taking the conviction out of Scriptures, you have caused my people to wander. The wander means to go astray. And they think they're doing right because others are doing it. The church has a committee and a program to do such a thing. Therefore, it must be right. And the preacher in most churches knows that if he takes a stand against Halloween, which may be one of the, the big church weekends, I don't know. But he knows if he takes a stand against that, chances are his days are numbered. Because people will not give up things when people are traditionally fixed. You know, once a Methodist, always a Methodist. Once a Baptist, always a Baptist. Once a Christian church, always. You know, when you get fixed in a system that you never change, 
then it'll never happen. You're going to be like that all the rest of your life, and the devil's going to have a field day with you, and we'll never know why things happened the way they did to you. You were such a good person. They go to church, they, they gave and they helped, but it seemed like everything, they just never got a break in life. Could it be that a door has been opened or was open and you gave place, gave space to the devil to come in and manifest himself in your life and your doings? You're still, you still got your mind, you're still working everything else, but there's that other thing in your life or things in your life that just make your life miserable. I'll tell you who it is. It's the devil. And how did he get there? Any way he can. Any way he can. He'll come down through the family tree if he can. He'll come in through a message that is, that is wrong. He'll come in through a game at church. Games that kids play. Come through the fortune telling, the horoscopes. And the, or Ouija boards at the youth meeting. Or many various ways. I could tell you stories about Ouija boards that you wouldn't even believe. Now, so I won't tell it. That from an Assembly of God church, how the thing of the preacher was called, I'll go ahead and tell it. <laughs> the kids were scared ahead of me. They called the preacher, come over here quick. And they went over there and they were all huddled, scared. And the Ouija boy was dancing on the floor. And it scared him until he realized that this was the devil. And he rebuked it and it stopped. See, I, people look at that and oh, come on. Well, that's why you don't tell too many of those stories. Because people don't think the devil can do that today. But fear is one of his great weapons. And Halloween promotes fear. That's what it's all about. Well, that's one of the things that it's all about. And so the, the commercial value of Halloween is great, and the costumes, and uh, parents love to dress up their children so they look cute in their little witch's brew and broom, and got the little hat on or they dress up like a butterfly or some kind of a weird little something and they take them out. I think it's a parent's day, isn't it? Parents like to see their kids look like that. Oh, they dress them up like a little devil with little horns on his little head and a little tail out the back of his little suit and he looks so cute. You just, as a parent, you just, you just made it hard on that little boy or that little girl. Now, you won't believe that. Now, you will. A lot of people won't believe that. Because they cannot conceive that. Because God is like them. They see things naturally. And God understands the way I understand. And God sees things the way I see things. And, and this is such a trivial thing. God wouldn't do this. And God wouldn't do that. And God wouldn't do it. And God wouldn't judge that. And God wouldn't let that happen. And yet, he would. If you're unwilling to see it God's way, does it still say in the Bible there are classes of people whom God gave up to their vile affections? A vile affection. They were unwilling to change. They heard about it. They wouldn't change, and therefore, they cannot change. They'll never change. They'll be like that until the day that they're brought into judgment. If you think of this holiday, you think of what? Witches? Goblins, demons, how about gnomes? How many of you, you know what a gnome is, a G-N-O-M-E? I call it, you know, I don't know why they pronounce it gnome when it has a G on the front of it. That's like the word paradigm. That's the most ignorant pronunciation of paradigm I ever saw. <laughs> how do you get dying out of I-G-M? Idgem is never pronounced dying, but... 
we'll go their way and I'll hold on to mine. But this is a, this is a time of witches and ghosts and goblins and haunted houses. And a lot of people don't believe in haunted houses. A haunted house is a house or a place that is frequented or inhabited by spirits or ghosts. I think we have one right downtown in Shelbyville on Main Street. It's still empty. But the last time somebody went in there to set up business, they, the devil ran them out. They had, did you know that people came in here a few years ago, a couple, three years ago, whenever it was, uh, ghost chasers and tried to figure all this out and they couldn't? Right downtown, there used to be a haunted house on the corner down there. Now they made a, something else out of it. Oh, I don't believe in all that stuff. You don't have to, but it's real anyway. And you should believe in it. Not that you should be ever, ever be scared of it. But they have haunted houses. Churches have haunted houses. You know, for the kiddies. They take them through their little places in the Sunday school room or the little haunted house, the little ghosts and demons, the house chambers of horror. And you see bloody pictures on the wall and skeletons. You know, what is a skeleton? It's death, isn't it? It's not alive. It's death. It's just like a pirate. What's a pirate symbol? A skull and crossbones because they're agents of death. It's all inspired of the devil. And people take pleasure in all that stuff, and so does the devil. He likes it too. But anything scary and spooky and frightening and, and, and things that, that, that bring fear, this is what it's about. This is what Halloween is all about. It's the time to dwell on the devil, darkness, Scary things, frightful things, and death. And while, and while the world and the church tries to make it a fun time, oh, it's just for the kids, and it's just a fun thing, and don't they know it's not real? It is real. It is real. The devil's a deceiver, folks. He wants you to think it's not real, but it is real. And this is why we begin this, this thing tonight with Second Corinthians, you know, that, that, that the Satan... That Satan has gained an advantage of multitudes of religious people, church people, through ignorance. You think of it again before I move on. The devil gains the advantage. You're not in control like you ought to be because you got a problem now. And the problem is that you can't identify the problem. And your problem leads to complaining. Well, why me? How come I'm the one that's always, and I never seem like I'm, where do you suppose your continuous opposition and trouble comes from? Why do you suppose it is that you don't sleep well anymore, or your kids have nightmares, or wet the bed, or they're suddenly not doing well in school, or they have these tantrums, or you're developing an attitude, or you cop a, a, a mood or something? You weren't always like that. Why did all this start? Was it possible that somehow you've been involved with some occult practice, maybe like Halloween, just a participant in it? Do you suppose any of these things could happen to people just because of that? See, people say, oh, I don't think so. I don't believe that. I don't believe it. I don't believe it happens like that. Well, let me tell you something. I base my life on it. It will happen like that. God is way more than we are. His ways are far above our ways. We always see, again, we see God is like us. We wouldn't do that. Surely God wouldn't either. We wouldn't talk like that. Surely God wouldn't either. We wouldn't think like that. Surely God wouldn't either. Well, none of us would condemn somebody to death for picking up sticks on the Sabbath day. 
Would we? Man, picking up sticks, we would say because of this age we're in. Well, of course. I mean, he's got to cook his supper, doesn't he? I mean, what's there sticks? You pick up a few sticks, make yourself supper. And yet in the Bible, they caught that man picking up sticks on the Sabbath, picking up sticks on the Sabbath day. And God said to stone him. I would say God is a much more serious God than we are. And when he gives us a word, he said, this is the way walking in it. This is what you should not do. And this is what you should do. A wise man will listen and take heed. And if there's things in his life that aren't in line and he gets convicted, he listens to something and he gets bothered by it, that's conviction. I would say that's God's way of signaling to him or her, you need to deal with this. There's more involved with what's just in just you or your husband or your parents or your children because a lot of people can be affected. Remember, the devil can disguise himself as an angel of light. He can take on the appearance of purity. He can stand in pulpits or in living rooms talking about Jesus and about a lot of things in such a way that you could never question the sincerity of it. And yet somewhere along the way, he bends a little bit and then he begins to take advantage and snare people. And there was a time you used to be keenly interested in spiritual matters, and now you're not. What's happened? Well, you got a, you got a presence in your life. Somebody's been given place to, and he's doing what he does, which is kill, steal, and destroy. And if he can do that, he will. And I think that Halloween is, is one of his big deals. Now, let me begin with tonight. First of all, the reason I don't observe Halloween, number one, is because of its origins, how it started, where it came from, who was behind it, what promoted it. I'm going to read from what I downloaded today. For me to say I downloaded anything is quite uh, in time-ish. There's a lot of information. There is, I'll agree with all the, the geeks, there is incredible amounts of information, incredible information available if you want to look for it. You can look for sermons. I looked at sermons until I'm tired of looking at sermons on the subject of Halloween. It was, some of them were disgusting. Pastors who make, make this day trivial. It's just a day for the children. It's a day for us to, and that type of thing. And do not realize that the devil is not playing any more than God is playing. It's the world that makes play out of it or makes it a fun thing uh, to do. That's what they want. It's just, a, it's just a day of fun and it's just a harmless fun for the children. That's all it is. Well, let me read for you instead of trying to remember all this. And there's so much information like in the encyclopedia are they, do they still have encyclopedias? Well, on my outfit, I got Wikipedia. I don't know what Wikipedia is, but it got a lot of information. I know what it is. But Wikipedia, encyclopedia, there are numerous books. There are numerous writings that you could yourself go to your computer or your library, look up Halloween, and that's all you have to do. As a Christian, 
as a professing believer is just go read the history of it and find out where it came from, and that's all you need to know what, what it's of. Let me read for you. Let me read for you. This is from one source, and I trust that you understand that what I'm reading it is not biblical. It does not honor God, has no spiritual value, and is extremely vain. Halloween. More than 2,000 years ago, a people called the Celts. Now, they pronounce that Celts. And again, why? It starts with a C and it spells Celt. Do you have to call it Celt? We don't call cities kitties. <laughs> but anyway, in the, kitty of she- I mean, the city of Shepherd, more than 2,000 years ago, a people called the, the Celts lived in what are now Ireland, Great Britain, and France. And among the Celtic people was an elite intellectual class known as the Druids, who served as religious priests and judges, lawmakers, and scientists. Now, they had an elaborate pagan religious festival along with certain rituals. Chief among these was the fire festival called, and here's another one, Sam Hain. You ever heard of the word Sam Hain? S A M H. A-I-N. Now, the correct pronunciation of Sam Hain is sowing. Sowing. How they get sowing in any language of any civilization, any culture in the world, I do not know. But if you will allow me to stick with Sam Hain... But among these festivals that the Druids oversaw among the Celtic people was a festival day which began with a huge bonfire. It's called Samhain. And it was observed at harvest time in the beginning of the Celtic New Year, November the 1st, they called it. And in celebration of this New Year, the end of the harvest season, they brought all the cattle and all the crops had come in and They built this bonfire in observance of a new year. The old was past and the winter was coming. And so they started this out with a big new year. Now, the Celtics believe that on this night, the barrier between the natural world and the supernatural was removed and the spirits of the dead were able to move freely among human beings. And we're talking about a pagan culture here. How many of you know that so far nothing's Christian? Okay, good. So these poor souls... They had a belief that was handed down and was passed on that uh, the natural world and the supernatural world were removed and the spirits of the dead were able to move freely among human beings. Samhain was the most solemn and important night in the Celtic year. Now let me add this to the traditions that we know of today. People dress up today like all kinds of costumes, big money. And the reason they dressed up in those days was because if some of these dead people that came back to walk through the streets had been done wrong by one of the living, then the living wanted to disguise himself so as so this dead whatever it was, ghost walking person, whatever they were, whatever they believed, that they would not be seen, noticed, and therefore they would not be harmed by these dead people. 
And so they disguised themselves. That's what the costumes were all about. You became somebody else. Maybe you dress up your kids like the devil. Maybe they get the devil. You dress up like something else. Maybe you get something else. But anyway, it says, after the Roman Catholic Church brought Christianity to the Celtic peoples. Now, I don't know what that means. I really don't. The Roman Catholic people brought Christianity. I think I know what they're supposed to mean, but I don't. But anyway, let, let me go on. Excuse me. After the Roman Catholic Church brought Christianity to the Celtic peoples in the 7th century, some of their traditional folk customs were Christianized. Let me see something here. Now, we got these people believing in the dead, walking through the streets, dressing themselves up like this. The story of, uh, uh, of the jack-o'-lantern, you've, you've heard of the jack-o'-lantern, the, the pumpkin. Well, the earliest part, the jack-o'-lantern, the folklore says that one day a man named Jack tricked the devil into climbing a tree. And when he climbed the tree, he carved a cross on the bottom of the tree so the devil couldn't come down. And so the devil made a deal with Jack that if he would take that carving off the tree, he wouldn't send him to hell. So Jack cut a deal with the devil. So when Jack died, he wasn't good enough to go to heaven, but he didn't have to go to hell. So he wandered aimlessly through the earth with a candle inside of a big turnip. They carved a turnip out so he could carry, so he could see where he was going. Other tradition says, no, the devil gave him a, a coal of fire out of the fires of hell and put it in there so he could forever, it would never go out. He'd always see his way walking through the earth. Now, I've never seen him. I don't know anybody else has seen him. Maybe he's a Sasquatch with a turnip. I don't know. I've never seen him. People believe stuff like this. They actually did. But anyway, back to this incredible statement. Some of their traditional folk customs were Christianized. How do you make Christian any of this? Who said it was Christian? Well, I'll tell you who said it was Christian and who Christianized it. It was the Catholic Church. Because they, they themselves are steeped in tradition and superstitions. In 835 A.D., Pope Gregory IV moved the church's feast of all saints from spring to November 1st to replace the observance of Samhain, All Saints Day. So All Saints Day still observed today by many Christians honored believers who had died. The night before, which featured a sacred vigil in church, became known as All Hallows' Eve or Halloween. But the old practices of the Druids died hard and were denounced by the church as witchcraft. This is how Halloween became known as a witch's holiday. Let me give you a little sentence or two from Wikipedia. Halloween is also thought to have been influenced by the Christian holy days of All Saints Day, also known as All Hallows, Hallow Mass, or Hallowtide on November 1st, and All Souls Day on November 2nd. They were a time for honoring the saints and praying for the recently departed who had yet to reach heaven. I don't know where they were going or where they were, but uh, Catholics believe that. All Saints was introduced in the year 609, but was originally celebrated on May 13th. In 835, it was switched to November 1st, the same day as Sam Hain, so in, at, the, at the behest of Pope Gregory 
the fourth. Now I've got a lot more information, a lot more different slants and views on it here. It's just not much to read, but I'll read this little part here. Again, I want you to know what Halloween is all about. In the 8th century, now some of this will be repeating what I just said. In the 8th century, Pope Gregory III designated November 1st as a time to honor all saints and martyrs. The holiday, All Saints Day, incorporated some of the traditions of Sam Hain, the pagan rites. The evening before was known as All Hallows' Eve and later Halloween. Over time, Halloween evolved into a secular, community-based event characterized by child-friendly activities such as trick or treating. Now, none of this is biblical. None of it, none of it, that the historical side of this, none of this is for Christians, has anything to do with Christianity. I think it's demonic. I think it's foolish. But it tells me this. If the origins of something you want to do are not given to you by the Lord, it's best that you don't do it. You know, Christmas is the same way. And people don't like to hear that because, again, they like to think this is a child's time and we're taking all their fun out of life. Well, we might be protecting them too. You know, the, the, the Catholic changed some days around in December 20, 25th. You know, Saturnalia, the rebirth of the sun, S-U-N, they changed that and made it the rebirth of the sun, S-O-N, and called it Christmas. Even though, even though that the biblical account of Christmas could not have happened in December because it was too cold. It was ridiculous. Even unbelievers in these encyclopedias will tell you the same, the same thing. But it didn't matter to the church which prevailed over the whole earth at that time, which was the Catholic church. They made it that anyway, and people practiced that because the big, it came from the big church. And so that's the way it came down. And Christians today follow the same dumb stuff. They do the same things. They follow the same thing, and they reason within themselves as we are good at doing Well, what's wrong with it? Well, what is the problem? Well, the problem is that it's not of God. It has nothing to do with God. It has no redeeming value. It does nothing to enhance your life spiritually. On the other hand, it does just the opposite. It turns things upside down and makes, makes your way, the road ahead of you, very rocky and difficult instead. Number two, the reason I don't observe it is because it glorifies the devil and his deeds. It glorifies the devil and his deeds. Let's look at the customs that are equated with Halloween. The customs, the things that people do. Things that come up like death and fear and, and the occult. The occult. Occult means something mysterious and undefined. Something out there that has promise of something, but we don't know exactly what. I like to know it's mysterious. The occult. The occult today is seen in so many ways. We'll get to that in just a moment. Everything from the friendly fortune teller at the county fair in the little booth to the daily horoscopes. Anything in which a man is trying to find out something about tomorrow by any method other than God's, the other spirit is the devil. 
Tomorrow belongs to God. The knowledge of tomorrow belongs to God, not anybody else. And for you to go past God or find another source besides God to find out about tomorrow or your future is evil. But if you're never taught that, you'll think it's all right because look how many millions of people follow the horoscopes every day or stop at the house with the broken down fence with the weeds growing around with us, go and see a palm reader to get their palm read. They want to know about tomorrow, and God forbids it. Today is a day of salvation. Sufficient for you is what you got to deal with today. You have to trust God for your tomorrows. And to bypass God is to have the same thing happen to you that happened to the ancient Israelites. They were rejected by God for that very thing because they sought to know something that God never gave them to know. Look in Exodus chapter 22 to begin with. Let's take the word witches. Now, one of the familiar creatures in Halloween festivities is the witch. And she's a cute witch. There are commercials today and witches flying around warehouses and kids dressed up like witches and coloring books have little witches in there for you to color and admire. Well, let's see what God says about the cute little friendly community witch. How many of you know that for somebody in the community to be called a witch is not a compliment? Well, you nice witch. No, that's not a compliment. They know it, and you know it. So why, how did it become something harmless? At what point in history did that word become harmless? Oh, you cute little witch. That's what they call their kid. You look like a little sweet witch. Well, here's what God says in Exodus chapter 22, 18. This is what God says to his people. Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. Well, what do you do with her? What do you do with her? If he said, thou shalt not allow, the word suffer means allow, if you as my people, God isn't going to prevent witches from coming. He didn't prevent witches from being among his people, but he told his people as a test of their loyalty, he said, don't you allow her to live. A witch would be female. A wizard would be the male counterpart to a witch. said, you shall not allow them to live. So what do you do with them then? Well, you make them not live. How do you make them not live? Well, you, you have to deal with them pretty firmly, I guess. You have to take the breath out of them. I guess you'd kill them, wouldn't you? Let me ask you something. Would your God endorse that? With the Almighty, your Savior, your God, the Creator of the earth, would He endorse that? He did. All scriptures given by inspiration of the Spirit. This is not Moses writing, it's the Spirit of God through Moses. Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. Go over to the book of Deuteronomy, just three or four books to the right there. Deuteronomy chapter 18. You talk about some serious words, listen at these words, to God's people, and this was one of the reasons, failure here was one of the reasons God's people were run off from the promised land, run out. Because what he described here was a condition that was in the people present in Canaan's fair and happy land. When he sent the Jewish people over the Jordan and into the land, the kind of people they were running out 
were these people who were an abomination to God who practiced what he's describing here. He said, now don't you do what they did. And at the end of the Jewish life, before the captivity, God said to them as a reason for their being removed from the land, he said, you have made yourself more vile than the ones you replaced. You are worse than they were. This is how bad it is. Verse 9. When you come into the land which the Lord your God gives you, you shall not learn to do after the abominations of the Celtic people, um, uh, excuse me, of these nations. Did he call the way they lived abomination? Okay, abomination is probably as bad a word as the English language has to describe how God feels about what God will judge. If it's an abominable thing, chances are God's going to judge it because it's reached its zenith evil. Then he goes on, verse 10, There shall not be found among you any that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire. That would be the God called Molech, one of those Moabite gods, that make his son or daughter pass through the fire, or that, notice this, or that useth divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, that would be a medium, or a wizard, that would be a man-witch, or a necromancer, that's one who calls upon the dead at these seances, that would be a necromancer. Sometimes they have familiar spirits. The, uh, it appears by deception that the person who is in touch with the spirit world his spirit is familiar with spirits that have gone on or spirits that are out there. You can't see them, but he can. He can make contact with them. He has a familiar spirit. Therefore, he knows things about the out there that ordinary men don't know they think. But he doesn't. But he's made to think like that, and people think he knows that. So you notice at the end of verse 10, one of the things he specifically says, there shall not be found among you anyone, and he ends that is a witch. Now, I ask you the question, what is it then about a witch that is so cute and so clever and so okay for people in this city, in this state, in this nation, around the world, on one night a year, the devil's night, to dress up their child like what God calls an abomination and send them out on the street to beg and threaten. When I was a kid, it was threaten trick or treat. You give us a treat or you're going to get a trick. We'll soap your windows on your car. You ever do that, you boys? Glad. Praise God you didn't. Bonnie and I got ours soaped up in Piketon, Ohio one time because the trick-or-treaters came around. We ran out of candy and started giving away the little turnips. And we got our windows soaped up with bad words on the window. We left them on the window. It was our community. We weren't saved either. But anyway, forgive me, Lord. What is it about a witch? What, what did God think of King Saul? Remember in 1 Samuel when King Saul, he was about to face the Philistines and he inquired of God and God wouldn't answer him. He used Urim and Thummim. I can't describe those either, but uh, a way of getting a yes or no from God and God would not answer him. He didn't know how to go into battle. The prophet Samuel was dead. And he said to one of his men, he said, find me a witch. And they found a witch that was at Endor. And he went to her and he said, divine for me. And the word divine goes with the whole occult package of the various things that diviners do, whether it's 
witching for the water or witching for oil or witching for a line. Uh, these are diviners. It's a certain occult power that they have, and people employ people to do that. Well, they wanted her to divine and bring up Samuel. Saul, King Saul, who was at the end, coming to the end of his life, he's going to die pretty soon. He wanted to talk to Samuel. And you know what God said? Once you turn to, if you can find it, turn to First Chronicles chapter ten and verse thirteen about what God said concerning Saul, the king, the head and shoulders man. What God said about King Saul at the end, First Chronicles chapter ten. In verse 13, you ought to underline this and let it remind you of how serious God is about avoiding anything that has to do with the devil. He said, so Saul died for his transgression, which he committed against the Lord, even against the word of the Lord, which he kept not. Remember the time he was supposed to slay everybody and leave nobody captive? kill them all, and he brought back some of the cattle. He said, well, the people did that. Remember that? And Samuel had to take a, a hatchet and cut Agag, the king, in pieces. Whoo! Saul died that day because of the transgressions which he committed against the Lord, even against the word of the Lord, which he kept not. And also for asking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit to inquire of it. Now, let me ask you a question. What's the difference between inquiring of a witch as opposed to inquiring of a horoscope or zodiac or a Ouija board or the game Kabbalah, whatever kind of ways that people do things like, or going to a fortune teller? Or a palm reader, which is a fortune teller. What's the difference? Are we any better than King Saul? Was he any worse than us? He wanted to know something God wouldn't tell him, but he wanted to find out anyway. And the world wouldn't know how to find out from God anything today. Not, not very many. But he said here, I didn't say this. He said this. He said that he died because he sought counsel of one that had a familiar spirit and not of God. Now, I challenge you tonight, those who listen to the message, that nothing has changed. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What was off limits then is still off limits today. Time doesn't make anything wrong that was once right or make anything right that was once wrong. The Bible is eternally spoken. It is forever settled in heaven. It'll never pass. It'll be like it is now when you get to heaven. And it's a standard for us to live by. And if we, buy, if we cross the, the, the line here and we say, oh, I don't think, you know, this is the way people talk. Oh, I don't think it's that big a deal. I think we make too much of all this stuff. Like a fellow used to be a friend of mine. <clears throat> I'm sure it'd be different now, but watching him on interview one day on my trusty computer. And he was talking about how God is very much like us. You know, he laughs at our little flaws and our freckles and the wart and everything, you know, he's, I think you made God just like me. Even though God said in the Psalms, thou thoughtest I was altogether as like you. 
but my ways are higher than your ways. My throne is higher than you are. The secret place of the Most High is exactly as Most High. Most High, the inaccessible one, only by invitation can you reach it. And when you find it, you'll do what John did when he saw Jesus in his glory. You'll fall at your feet before him. The one you used to walk with and talk to and have conversations with, in his glory he fell on his face. God is to be honored and praised, and one of the ways we do it is by living according to his word. And if it's wrong to do witches and wrong to do stuff like that, if it was wrong then, it's still wrong now. Anything that has to do with the future. Remember the little eight ball that I think they have them at uh, certain places, Cracker Barrels? Little turn, you, you ask a question, will I get married this year? And it says, get your house in order, you're going to die. I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and something floats up and is supposed to give you an, an answer. People love to have answers for tomorrow. They base their life on stuff like that. Who wrote astrology charts? Who are the people that write today in, in tomorrow's paper what's going to happen to people tomorrow, and they write it to layer last week? They're just people. They don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Well, then why do people read that? Because they want to. They have an inclination, a spiritual weakness that, is, that wants to know about tomorrow. And so they seek after these things, and that's the way it is. Not only witches, but take goblins. Goblins and gremlins and gnomes or genomes, G-N-O-M-E-S, genomes, gnomes. A goblin, by definition, are demons. This is from the secular world now. It's not Christian. This is the secular world. Goblins are demons of any size, usually in human or animal form, that are supposed to assail, afflict, and even torture human beings. Well, now, <laughs> I don't want any goblins around me. You think about it. Halloween has the word goblins goes with it, witches and goblins and haunted houses. The word gnome, G-N-O-M-E, gnome. The word genome has to do with small beings like ugly little old men. That's what the definition, like little things, like ugly little old men. I saw one of these once in my life in Sellersburg, Indiana, 230 Millview Circle. Sellersburg, Indiana, one time in my life in the hallway. A little thing, and I, I rebuked it. It's just a little, naughty, little old man. In today's world, one of the toys that has been made to represent that, I can't remember the name of them, but they're called trolls. You know what a troll is? A troll by folklore lived under the bridge. And when the goats come trotting across his bridge, he ate the goat. Something like that. But trolls and the, these dolls that a lot of your kids are wanting to embrace today, some of these things have occult origins. Raggedy Ann, as far as I'm concerned, and the story of Raggedy Ann and, and the little heart that was on her and what, it, and what that meant in folklore. I've had people write me back, write me letters. I think I kept some of them. A daughter that wouldn't go to sleep, having nightmares every night, couldn't understand why they bound and rebuked and prayed over, laid hands on, and it continued. 
Within a week, the lady cleaning the house looked under the bed, and there was a Raggedy Ann doll that Aunt so-and-so had sent her right under her bed. They took the thing out and burned it, and all the things, the problems she had ceased. The folks said, I don't believe all that. Well, you, nobody said you had to. Did anybody check? Y'all check anybody at the doors? You got to believe what you hear. I'm telling you what I know from my experience. Let me tell you something. Two people can, can be in the same Halloween party and be affected by the same spirit different ways. One has physical problems, develops physical problems that don't respond to treatment. Another one begins to have marital problems or has financial problems. Same devil. He just works in whatever way he can to make your life as miserable and as destroyed and terminal as he can. I mean, it's the same devil. We take lightly these things. That I know we do. I, I've been in this my whole life almost. And Christians are, are terrible at taking lightly the things that God says that are so, so serious. They just ignore a lot of things that God says. It says about these little gnomes, they are uh, ugly little old men who live in the earth and guarding mines and treasures and so forth. They are mysteriously malevolent and terrify human beings by causing dreadful mishaps to occur. Now that's in your dictionary. In other words, these are, these are little agents of darkness who bring problems. Now I'll tell you this, I don't need them. My children aren't going to have these kind of toys in their house. And if my kids bring toys like that in my house, I'm going to ask them to leave them in their car. You do that to your own family in a heartbeat. Or as they would say, I bet you one fat man I would because I would leave them out there in a minute. I don't want that stuff in my house. I know you don't either. Well, let me get one more in that, uh, along with witches and dolls and, and all of these kind of little things, is fear. Isn't fear the big thing, the haunted house, scaring people, making you see things that, isn't that good for your children? We're going to frighten you tonight in Jesus' name. Now, where does fear come from? 2 Timothy 1.7 says that God did not give us a spirit of fear. Fear is a spirit. It's an entity. It does something. Anytime there is an anticipation of evil, you have fear. These are the things that cause people to, to not be able to cope with life. It's fear, fear of dying, fear of losing what they have, fear of sickness or disease or people that can't keep their hands clean enough, the fear of germs, fears, all kinds of fears, phobias. The truest fear there is is James 2.19. That's the truest expression of fear, I think, in the Bible is James 2.19 where it says concerning Jesus, even the demons tremble. You know why they tremble? Because they know absolutely sure what their end is going to be. They know they're going to die. And while they have time, they're going to do their very best to take you with them. To snare, ensnare, grasp whatever they can to do their mischievous dark work so that you won't make it to heaven. Fear is the apprehension arising from the anticipation of evil. Think of that. Fear is the apprehension arising from the anticipation of evil. P. 
people are afraid to go out on some days of the week. Friday the 13th. Why? Because that's a bad day. Who said? Who told you Friday the 13th was a bad day? Every time a Friday the 13th comes around, most of all the world stays alive. Somebody dies every day. Somebody's born every day. Friday the 13th was a concoction of some human being that the whole world took a hold of, and they believed it. God is delivering us, Psalms 34. God is delivering us as we continue to hear his word. He's delivering us from all our fears. We don't have to be afraid of that. The black cat walking under the ladder, throwing salt. I mean, all these superstitious things are based on fear. And people live by, by fear. Love doesn't operate by fear. Love is a conquering of fear. Thirdly, I don't observe Halloween because observing Halloween does indeed give place to the devil. Observing Halloween gives place to the devil. When I throw in to participate in the activities and accept all its little components, I myself am giving place to the devil. I'm opening up myself to the devil to come into my life, to be a part of my life, to affect my life, to in some way deal with my life. And he does. I grew up like this. I grew up in an occult family. My mother used to charm warts. She would take a string. Every wart you had, you'd take a string, you'd tie a knot. She'd rub the knot over the wart, bury the string. When the string rotted, the wart would go away, and it did. And the price you pay is that you just opened the door. The source you sought after for help was not God, nor was it anything the Bible says, but it was the way of the devil, the way of man. People do it all the time. lived in fear and dread. And the tendency toward the occult, I remember very early in my life when I was in high school, the the tendency towards the occult of seeing people get hypnotized and knowing that I could do that. And that's a long, dark story. I don't want to go into that. It was there all my life. It could be done. I've seen things I'm not ever going to share with about people that I would not believe had I not been there myself watching, I would never believe it. The house strong, and it scared the daylights out of me once that's how why I got out of that stuff and quit that for like two weeks of my life because of fear. I saw what the devil can do and how subtle he is. I wasn't even a Christian. I was frightened for several days. I'm telling you, what I know tonight, I don't know because I read it. I don't know because I heard it. It's because I have watched it, I have lived it, and I have adapted and adopted to myself what God has said, and I can recognize the devil. I mean, I see what he's doing. You can go to some of these asylums where people are, are insane, the kind of people they brought to Jesus, and he casts devils out of them. And when they cast devils out of these people, they were made whole. When he cast demons out of that gathering demoniac and told them to go into pigs, the pigs killed themselves. That's the nature of who you're dealing with when dealing with the devil. And the man was in his right mind for the first time in his life. He was in his right mind. So this is who you're dealing with. This is who God is warning us about. 
Your adversary, the devil, like a roaring lion, walketh about doing what? Seeking whom he may devour. And what are you supposed to do about it? You are to resist him. That is, you are to take God at his word, stand on the word, and say, this is what I will do. If Jesus is a living word inside of you and the devil has no place in him, then he'll have no place in you either or your family. You may not be very popular and you may be viewed skeptically, but he will not have his way with you. He absolutely will not. And finally, the reason that I do not observe Halloween is because people sin on Halloween. People sin every day. Yeah, they do. But this is a special day. This is a day of concentrated effort. Some days you just sin naturally, but this is a day of special sin. It's a day in which if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, if you've been convicted a little bit about something's wrong with this day, but you didn't deal with it, listen to me. You're setting, you're setting aside the very thing that God says, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. You're setting aside that which will make you free and you're embracing something that is fun-loving in this world, but which brings a snare and binds you. Do you believe the devil can make you captive? 2 Timothy 2.26, those who are taken captive by him at his will. How does he do that? He entices us. He lures us. Just like he did Eve, he's still doing it. He makes things seem harmless and innocent. And no big deal. And he draws you into a place where he takes advantage of you because what you did was sin. And when you sin, you're snared. There's only one way to get rid of sin. That's by repentance. That's why in the book of Acts, when they saw the work of the devil, remember they brought all their books and burned them? Chapter 19, they've tried to rebuke the devil and this demon in these guys jumped on these seven sons of one Siva and beat them all up. And they took off fleeing naked. And the people saw what they were dealing with reading this book. And that's what he is. They brought all their books in heaps and they burned them. They burned all their occult literature. They emptied their house of everything that attracts the devil or brings him in or puts him on your turf. They got rid of all that stuff, got rid of any of their toys. I didn't say toys in the Bible. But everything that is an attachment to the devil, they got rid of it. Remember, concerning the occult in Deuteronomy chapter 7, in Deuteronomy 7, here's what God said. Verse 25, and the graven images of their gods, you shall, not, you shall burn with fire. What if they're expensive or gold? Burn them with fire. Thou shalt not desire the silver or gold that is on them, nor take it unto thee, lest thou be snared therein, for it is an abomination to the Lord thy God. Those little Buddhas, all those images of little gods and those totem poles, those family heirs, they are demonic. The four-leaf clovers and all, I'm sorry, but they are. Verse 26 Neither shalt thou bring an abomination into thy house, lest thou be a cursed thing like it. 
but you shall utterly detest it. Thou shalt utterly abhor it, for it is a cursed thing. Does your Bible say that? That's how you deal with the devil. Let him be exposed by God and let your faith embrace and your will embrace the Lord and turn him out, get him out of your life, confess as a sin all your occult activity, ask God to cleanse you, and he will. Turn to 2 Corinthians 7. 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, that's the saints, let us do what? Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and spirit. You mean to tell me that Christians need to cleanse themselves of spiritual filthiness? How did it get in there? Ten million ways, but it's all usually through ignorance and closed minds. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and spirit. How? Let us honor God with repentance. Let us honor God by saying, Thou art altogether right, we're altogether wrong. Let us honor God by cleansing our houses of everything that's not right. Let us honor God by saying, I will not participate or be involved with anything that's not of God. Let us do that. Let's get ourselves ready for the Lord's coming that he might find us without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. We've been all ironed out by the Lord. Amen. This is what he wants. This is where we are. And this is why I don't observe Halloween. This verse I'll close with, it says, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot be a partaker of the Lord's table and the table of demons. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we pushing it a little bit when we do it anyway? That would be 1 Corinthians 10, 21. How about you out there tonight? Where's your heart as far as purity of life and social things and what you believe and what you're involved with? Is there anything in your life tonight you need to cleanse yourself from or need to repent of? This is a good night to do it. You may need to do it now instead of when you get home. If the devil's been antagonistic to you and been driving himself into your family and messing with your mind or your children or your money or your, your time and, and keeping you somewhat miserable even though you've been in church your whole life, then I think it's time God has made a day tonight, a beginning time for you to deal with the devil. Start doing something about this stuff. Years ago, I remember saying, I don't have to be bound anymore. I don't have to be broken poor anymore. I don't have to be down in the dumps and sad anymore. I don't have to have havoc in my family anymore. It took me a while to see that, but wish I'd known a long time ago. But God has liberated me and set me free, brought me out of darkness into his marvelous light. And the devil has no right to take me back unless I give him the right. Amen. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, look upon us tonight as people of need and deliver us from any evil that we've allowed in our lives. Grant us that gift of repentance. 
that we might take a moment to lay our hearts before you this, this evening and ask you to deliver us from all of our weaknesses and our mistakes in which we have cooperated with the devil and played his games. I ask you also, Lord, to give us a, an ability to be serious about what is going on in our life and not take anything for granted. Even the air that we breathe, Lord, it all comes from you. Now, if in the lives of any of those that are here tonight, there is an knowledge of occult participation, be it Halloween, Ouija boards or crystal balls or anything, anything that was not God-ordained and we participated in, grant us now this spirit of repentance, this gift. And help us to open up our hearts and say, Dear God, in the name of Jesus, I repent of and begin to name these things and ask for you to cleanse me from all effects of these things and ask you to bring me to a level of life that is better than what I have known. I ask you to put my enemies under my feet and help me to live as a testimony able to help other people. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, for this assembly, these people here, that you would liberate this whole church from every demonic hold and attachment of any sort and any kind that anybody in this church has had. I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus, and the Lord rebuke you, Satan. We shall be free. We shall walk in, in freedom. We shall not be bound. I lay that in our hearts that we might grip a hold to that, Lord, and forever walk liberated and be drawn down no more. And while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I'm asking you, is there anything right now you need to repent of? Is there anything now you ask God to cleanse you from and deliver you from the effects of? Is there anything right now in your life that you need to appeal to God for, for deliverance of? Now, I won't lead you in a group prayer. It's got to come from your heart, not from mine. But you can certainly deal with it now if you want to. You may have to wait till you get home because you may be a little timid. I don't know, but you've got to deal with it, folks. You've got to deal with this stuff. It is poison to your system. Now let grace prevail over your life as God favors us tonight with something that we can hear and we can see. Now let the effects of it come into your heart and your life. Now, Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for your delivering power over any and all, whoever needs it the most or needs it at all tonight. May we await the testimony of this deliverance. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.